Well, today uh, is a day of, of a, a completion, in a sense, of a, of a, uh, a series, really a church-wide campaign that has been challenging for me, and I know it's been challenging for you, and it really, if anything else, I hope, hopefully, it ignites something within you that would not have just lasted for the last few weeks but really move you on into, the, into your destiny. We've been talking about raising the bar. Everyone say raising the bar. And as you see from this subtitle, uh, our goal, it's been a church-wide cam- uh, commitment campaign to transform the culture of our church family. How many of you know that the transformation of God needs to always be continuing in our life? And the reason for this, uh, this church-wide campaign has been because the enemy has been undermining the culture of, the, of God's people for probably ever since God's people have been God's people. And in America, at least, uh, it seems that the enemy is winning when it comes to the American church. And we've got to combat that. We've got to stand strong. Somebody say, stand strong. You know, Peter said, you've got to resist the devil and he will flee. And the culture in America is under attack. The church, the Christian culture has been watered down. And in a sense, the, the, what it means to be a Christian has been watered down to the point the, the, the bar has been lowered. Uh, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but how many of you know what I'm talking about? And so it's the responsibility of every local church. It's the responsibility of every uh, bona fide Bible-believing Christian to raise the bar and combat this watering down, this dumbing down of our faith, if you will. Uh, because listen, uh, the enemy won't stop. He'll just keep going. So we've got to resist that. And that's what this church-wide campaign, and that's why I gave you, uh, oh gosh, uh, many different uh, things and probably all, and I know I didn't accomplish all of them, but how many of you know, uh, uh, you know, challenges are challenges for a reason because it's not as easy as you think. So I handed you out church-wide challenges. I handed you out personal challenges. And then we've got memory verses and and, and uh, I want to let you know that, hey, if you didn't get score 100, that doesn't mean you didn't raise the bar. And so, really, as I conclude this, I, it's almost like I'm scared to get off this topic because, OMG, I don't want us just to kind of drop right back into the, the doldrums of, of a lowered bar mentality. But uh, I came to tell you that we've got to look at our future and say we're raising the bar. The men of God here in this house, fathers of the families, husbands of wives, listen, I, 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 I speak to you as, a pa- as your pastor and as, as a friend, raise the bar in your life with your church family. Raise the bar. Don't let your children set the bar. Don't let the school system set the bar for you. Don't let athletics set the bar for you. Hello, I'm meddling now, aren't I? Don't let, hey, don't let your spouse set the bar for you. Men, be the leaders in your home and raise the bar. Ladies, single parent moms, raise the bar. All of it, look at your neighbor and say, we got to raise the bar around this place. Amen. In our own life, we're going to talk about that some more uh, in just a moment. One of the areas where we've been raising the bar is just in, mem- in concerning the Word of God. And so we've had seven memory verses. And I pray you've taken these home with you and you've memorized them. Uh, and here's our memory verse for the day. Uh, let's look at it. It's Ephesians 2.8. It's, oh no, yeah, Ephesians 2.8. Let's read it together out loud, everyone. For by grace you have been... 
Read it again. For by... Read it again. Ephesians 2, what? And that, that, that one line, that one sentence, that one verse is power-packed. And if you understand that, embrace that, uh, man, you're going you're gonna to be moving forward in life. For by grace you have been saved. You, how many of you know you don't get saved by your own strength? Your works don't save you. In fact, the next verse, uh, verse 9 says, Not by works, lest any man should boast. You can't work your way to heaven. Somebody say, you can't work your way to heaven. You can't be good enough to get to God. You can't. You can't get, be good enough to get to God. It's for His mercy and grace, His unmerited favor that He gave to us. And He gave us faith. It's a gift of God. The Bible says it's allotted to everyone a measure of faith whereby we can take that gift of faith and appropriate it in our life to be born again and believe and trust and rely upon and cling to the finished work of Calvary. He was hung up for our hang-ups. You know what the gospel says. The gospel is this. Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He paid for your sins with His own blood. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, He rose up again so we too could have newness of life. How many of you thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen? Woo! And that's how we're born again, through the power of the gospel. For by grace you're saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. So we've been memorizing Scripture, and, and if you've missed uh, any of these messages, and let me just say, most of us have missed some. I'm the only one that haven't, hasn't missed any, probably, maybe in my wife, maybe in a couple of other people here. Most of you've missed some. The reason I say that is the statistics in church attendance, which we'll address here again in, in, in a few moments, is not really good. It's less than 50% for faithful church members. Others are, are, are an anomaly who have actually caught the vision of the local church. But in the culture we live in today, most of us have not listened to, uh, have heard all seven of these messages. So in light of that, uh, if you're an Apple user, you can go to iTunes and download the, 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 the audio. You can go to our website, cotrnorth.com, and you can listen to the audio. And if you're sharp, and I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Where's Ike? There's Ike. Many of them are on Vimeo, and we don't, I don't know if we have a link to them yet on our website. Uh, but uh, he can help you if you want to watch it, watch these uh, he can help you get there. We're working on the process of getting them all up online where you can have a link and go right to them and watch the video. But the reason I want you to do that is because these seven messages, the last six and this one, are very important to help empower you and equip you to raise the bar in your spiritual life. I've had other churches uh, uh, ask me about the materials. That, uh, did you purchase this? No, I said, we just, it just was born out of a sense of urgency. Uh, and uh, I've had, I had a missionary uh, 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 connect con with me that I know. He said, can I borrow? I said, you sure can. Why are these people doing that? Because they see the issue in the culture in America and probably around the world that we've lowered the bar of what it means to be a believer and what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a church member. And so we need to raise the bar. And everybody said, amen. So with that in mind, I'm going to go back to where we began, and I'm going to talk to you about our three, what I'm going to call interlocking circles of commitment. I challenge you in three areas, and I'm challenged in these three areas 
three areas, and I call it interlocking circles uh, uh, of commitment. In other words, all three of these interlock with one another, and you can't get one without the other. You can't be committed in one area without being committed uh, to the other. And so here they are. We've encouraged uh, uh, and challenged. Encourage is the wrong word. I'm, I tried using that a few weeks ago. Let me encourage you. Uh, no, I'm challenging you. I'm imploring you. I'm beseeching you. And as your pastor, if I may, I'm commanding you to raise the bar in your spiritual life in these three areas. The first one is this, our commitment to Christ. We need to raise the bar. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. We're going to kind of flesh it out a little more. In fact, uh, a few weeks ago, and this is nothing new, a few weeks ago, um, a few months ago, I did a series called The Jesus Journey, learning to follow Jesus 24-7. These are not new thoughts. These are just coming back and, 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 and affirming the foundation of who we are as believers. Listen, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, uh, you've got to be committed to Christ. We're going to identify that a little further in a few moments. And then uh, the other uh, interlocking circle of commitment is, is our commitment to His calling in our lives. Most people don't really believe and understand that God has you here for a purpose. And there's a call of God on your life. And let me just tell you, just in case you didn't know, that God didn't call us to sit soaking sour. I know there's not a lot of people here today, so your ameners got to get kicked in high gear this morning. Let me start over. Hey, listen, I know this may be news to some of you, but let me tell you this right now. God never called anybody just to sit soaking sour. Okay. (laughs) And so we're going to talk about our commitment to our calling, the call of God on our life. And then thirdly, we challenge you to raise the bar in the area of your commitment to his church. And listen, uh, we're going to, oh man, I'm going to hit this pretty hard at the end. Uh, But let me just say this. In fact, I'm I'm going to read you an article. I, I didn't know if I had time. I still don't know if I have time. But I want to read this article. Oh, no, 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 I'll wait to the end. I'll wait to the end. That, may, that way, if I don't have time, I'll let you just go look it up. So I'll hold off on that. But let me tell you something. There, there is a real challenge to the, all three of these in our life the, from the enemy. And it's going to be a challenge for all of us. And so, listen, you can't be committed to one without the other. Some people believe they're committed to Christ. Listen to me. But they're not committed to the real call of God on their life. They believe they're here just to be spiritual and enjoy life and to love their family and love one another and have a good little uh, God bless you club at home and never reach the world for Jesus Christ. Listen, you you are not committed to Christ. Listen to me. You're not committed to Christ if you're not committed to fulfill His purpose for your life. And let me just follow it along. You're not committed to Christ if you're not committed to His church. I don't care what people tell you, this is Bible right here today. These You cannot unlock these three from one another. You cannot be committed to Christ and not be committed to His local church. And so if we're not real committed to His calling or, his, uh, or to His church, and because understand, He's the head of the church, and you are His body, you can't disconnect from the church and be connected to the head. Hello. Hello, you could tweet that one if you could put it all in. How many characters? I don't know. <laughs> 100 and, 140. Uh, so they're all interlocking. And one reflects the other. And they all go back to our commitment to Christ. Because when you get committed to Christ, you're going to find yourself committed to the call of God on your life. Because if you, you can't follow Him without, being, without fulfilling His kingdom purpose in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, He's talking tough to us this morning. We better listen up. 
It's the truth. Everybody say, it's the truth. And so with that in mind, I'm going to go through these three with you. I'm going to kind of, <clears throat> and, and uh, I would encourage you to take notes if you can. If you don't want to take notes, take pictures. Uh, that's easy. You can do it. Just take a picture. And if you really want it, I'll smile for you. But let's get these down. Let's talk about this commitment to Christ. It really has to do uh, with, with our, our growth process and our discipleship, being genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. Because if we're going to be committed to Him, we have to follow Him. In fact, when Jesus met uh, Peter, James, and John, and, and if you remember, they're by the sea. In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, he tells these fishermen this. He says, follow me. Everyone say, follow me. He says, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. How many of you know that's a commitment? You see, if you're committed to Christ, you have to follow Christ. See, being a Christian is not an experience. It's a lifestyle. Hello, you can tweet that too. That's not even my notes. That just pops up. It's a lifestyle, for goodness sake. It's not something you did one day in an altar somewhere or on your knees somewhere. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is following Jesus 24-7. I know I'm preaching to the choir. You know, I feel sorry for some people today. I feel sorry for people who are at home with, Oh, OMG, it's raining outside. I don't know if you can edit this out. Weenies. They're weenies. OMG, it's raining outside. I might melt. I feel sorry for them this morning. Because we're talking about them. They're not here. Listen. It's following Jesus. It's not just some experience you had. That was, the birth. that was your new birth. Christianity is a lifestyle of following Jesus. Amen. And so he told them, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. Let me give you four thoughts about this commitment to Christ. Number one, it's a commitment of leaving. <clears throat> Everyone say a commitment of leaving. You know, when you get married, what do you have to do? You got to and cleave. It's a commitment to your spouse. I'm leaving father and mother. That's a picture of what. And listen, when you commit yourself to Christ, listen carefully. <clears throat> Some, this is, this is. This is Christianity 101, folks. When you commit yourself, you start following Jesus Christ, that means there's some things you got to leave. There's some things you need to shake off. And what did the disciples do there by the sea when Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men? Well, Mark 1.18, the next verse says, immediately they left their nets, they left their business, they left their families and they began to follow him. They didn't pray about it. Come on. They didn't go to, they didn't go to counseling about it. They said, we're going to, we're making a choice. There's some things we're going to leave here if we're going to follow Jesus. Listen, your commitment to Christ is a commitment of leaving. Some of you've never left this world. You're trying to get to his world, but you never left this world. You're trying to dabble off into, in fact, my Bible tells me no man can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God in this world. There's some things you got to leave in order to cleave to him and be his son and his daughter. It's a commitment of leaving. There's some things you just need to leave. The biggest issue Christians have is they never leave their former life. They never shake it off. They try to live in two worlds. Listen, you can't live how you want to live and expect God to bless you. It's a commitment of leaving. Number two, our commitment to Christ is a commitment of learning. 
And that's what the disciples were. They were learners. In fact, the word disciple means a disciplined learner of something or someone. They follow after and they learn. And when you look at the Scripture, Jesus' first recorded message, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, it's just chock full of lessons of life for new believers. And so listen to me. If you're committed to Christ, you're not only committed to leaving the things that keep you from being Christ-like, you're committed to learning who He is and learning what we need to do to be his disciple, to be his follower. That's why uh, the scripture and and, and study and and growth and church attendance are not not optional. They're, they're, They're vitally necessary for your spiritual growth and maturity. Hebrews said, by now you ought to be uh, uh, teachers, but you still come to need milk and not solid food. In other words, you're still a bunch of... I wanted to say it the way I would have said it if we're standing out by the lake. You're a bunch of babies. You're still spiritual babies. <laughs> hey, listen. It's a, it's a commitment of learning. Leaving learning. And number three, it's a commitment of love. You know what, Matthew 22, it's the, it's the great commandments. The, the religious leaders are trying to get him all tangled up with, with the law. He said, let me melt it all down for you. Let me just get it all down where you can understand it. This is the fulfillment of it all. All those laws and things that you're trying to get all tangled up in, let me just melt it down into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and let me throw this at you. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of you are in love with yourself, so just start loving your neighbor like you're loving yourself. Those are the two great commandments. And following Jesus and being committed to Christ, it's a commitment of loving people, loving your enemies for goodness sake, and loving the unlovely, and loving one another. It's a commitment of loving, number four. It's a commitment of lordship. Now, that's a big word. In fact, listen, Jesus is not just our leader that we follow. He is our Lord. That means you don't have a vote. That means you are His servant. That means you and I are His slave. He is the Lord. Now, what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? Now, let me explain it to you in Matthew 7, verse 21 in the Sermon on the Mount. He defines lordship. It says there are people who will come to him on that day and say, Lord, have we not done this in your name? Have we not done that in your name and done many mighty miracles in your name? And he, he will say, he, and here's what he'll say to them. Depart from me. I never knew you. Now, and then he goes on to say in this verse, he said, let me tell you what lordship is. It's those who do the will of my Father in heaven. That's what lordship is. Listen, following Jesus is a commitment of of leaving. It's a commitment of learning. It's a commitment of loving. And it's a commitment of lordship where we follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we do what he wants us to do. You know what most, you know what most believers are trying to do? Get him to do what you want him to do. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not the Lord. Following Jesus is a commitment of Lord. He's the Lord. And he said, let me tell you what lordship, it's those, those who are following him as Lord. Those are the ones who do the will of the Father. That's the evidence that you have embraced. That's the evidence of commitment to Christ. 
Wow. And so we've got to raise the bar right here. And you know what? It's 1136. We could go home right now and you could chew on that for a month or two. Commitment to Christ. Are we real? Come on, let's be honest. Let me just stop here. Let me just get this off. Let me unload. Let me download. Are we really following Jesus? And committed to him, are we playing some kind of religious game, hoping that somehow, you know, cha-ching, he'll unload on us one day his blessing? Because when Jesus was picking disciples to follow him, he wasn't talking about how cha-ching you get blessed. He's talking about how you're probably going to lose your life. It's a commitment. Following Jesus, being committed to Christ is a commitment of leaving. Somebody in this room, listen, I know it's a small crowd. And I know you're, the, you're, you're kind of the chosen here. But let me just say, there's some, some people in this room, there's some things you've never left. They got you hung up and you spend your days trying to figure out how to get God to understand the fact that you've not shaken off these things. Or laid them down. And we come to, we try to, uh, we try to negotiate with God. Well, I'll do this, I'll do that, but don't get on to me about this and get on to me about that. Listen, if you're following Jesus, if you're committed to Christ and you're following Him and there's some things you're leaving and learning and, and you're loving and He's the Lord of your life, you're going to look different than you do before you follow Jesus. You're going to live different. You're going to walk different. Amen. Our commitment to Christ. That's where it all begins. And if here today you've never given your life to Christ, let me tell you something. It's not an emotional moment of being sorry for what you've done. It's good to be sorry for what you've done. But listen, repentance is not being sorry for what you've done. You've done. Repentance is a change of lifestyle to turn from and turn to. And if you want to do that, you can do that. I'm repenting of my sin. I'm repenting of these things in my life. And I'm turning to you. And I'm trusting you. I'm giving my life over to you as the Lord and the leader of my life. And I believe that you died for me on a cross. And that you paid for my sin with your blood. And, and, and I trust you. And I rely upon you. And I believe you rose again the third day so I could have new life. I want you to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I give you my life. Listen, you can do that and things will begin to change in your life you've begun a new commitment to Christ the second commitment that is certainly interlocking with that commitment is the commitment to his calling that has to do with our our evangelism and outreach it's really the reason we're still here in fact if you turn to second Timothy I'm going to hit a couple of verses from there you can turn there if you like Paul talks to Timothy about the call of God on their lives. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, he says, He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light, through the gospel, I just shared that with you, to which I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And I could keep going. But what he's saying there, we've got a purpose. God has a divine plan for our life. God has a calling on our life. It's a holy calling. And that calling, as I said, is not to sit soaking sour, but it's to fulfill His kingdom purpose in the earth. And His kingdom purpose in the earth is not to make you feel good. 
His kingdom purpose in the earth is not just to, to, to rub your feet after a long, hard day. Ooh, I'm wanting to chase a rabbit. Let me just do it. It's raining outside. Who cares? This is the way a lot of people, their spirituality goes. They go and they endure the day. They may even get up and have devotion. And that's good. But the, but the point of their devotion is not for the purpose of his plan, but the purpose of just so they can make it through the day. You play your worship music and you go out into the middle of the world and do nothing and come back home to your little refuge and sit down and your, turn on your worship music to try to get the devil off your back a little more and you feel like you're really serving Jesus. That's not serving Jesus, that's just surviving. And most Christians spend their life, I'm talking about what we'd call devoted Christians, spend their life just trying to keep the devil off their back and keep from smoking and chewing and going with the girls that do and just come home and have my little church time at home, church time in the morning, church time at home, all that's good. But listen, that should move it. These these commitments are interlocking. You can't have that without reaching your world for Jesus Christ. And if you do that, but we don't reach out to the world around us, and hey, I'm preaching to myself here today. We're really not as committed to Him as we thought we were. And so our commitment to Christ is so valid and important, but our commitment to the call of God is equally invalid. And listen, it's a clarion call. In other words, the word clarion, it has to do with clear. It's a strongly expressed demand, a request for action. How many of you know the Great Commission is a strong request? It's a strong command. It's not really a request. It's the Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion. And and, and listen, the call of God on our life is not optional. Listen to me carefully. That's the reason you're still <gasps> breathing air today. Everybody go, <gasps> you know why God gave you that breath? So you can use your voice to share the gospel with someone. And the Great Commission is a very clear command. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You listen, this is a clarion call. In fact, if we had time, we'd go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, where he says, you are ambassadors for Christ. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, uh, uh, go into the world and compel them to come. It's a clarion call. There's no, there should be no confusion about the purpose of God for your life. Listen, people sit around, I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. I don't know what His purpose for my life is. Well, whatever it is, it has the gospel to do. The gospel's involved. The good news is involved. The Great Commission is involved. Go into all the world. And listen, we're all living in a world today. You're living in a world. How many of you have a world you live in? Are we on another planet here? Or do you have people around you? Are there people in your world? There certainly are. There's people in our world. And there's a clarion call from God that we should get out of our religious stupor. Our charismatic incantations and get out into the world and do something for Him, for goodness sake. We're trying to raise the bar around here. That's what I'm talking to you about. The commitment to 
the call of God. It's a clarion call. But let me tell you, Sue, it's a compelling call. It's compelling. Paul said, listen, I'm compelled by this. In fact, he said in this verses I read, I've been appointed. I've got an appointment. In other words, listen, I've got a, because of the appointment of God. In fact, that word compel means to be pressed into action by a sense of duty. In fact, he told the Corinthians, he said this, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians. He said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a compulsion on the inside of me. There's a mandate on the inside of me. The call of God is clear and the compelling of God is clear. In fact, he told them tell the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5 he said the love of God compels me it presses me into action we've got to raise the bar in our life to the point that the call of God compels us we get such clarity about the role we have in this life and then it compels us we're pressed into action and understand something, I know. Number three, it's a challenging call. There's a challenge to it. In fact, Paul and with Timothy there, he said, listen, verse 8, he said, therefore don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me His prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. There was suffering. There was pain. There's sorrow. There's persecution. You ask the persecuted church in the Middle East today if it's not a challenge to be committed to the calling of God for their life. Believers are being, listen to me, believers are being burned at the stake, losing their heads. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, now that's a challenge. We're in Beaumont, Texas, for goodness sake. Those are the people that have the challenge to fulfill the call of God on their life. This past week, Master Sergeant Joshua Wheeler decorated, I don't know if he was a Marine, you saw the news. The Americans were there just to help and observe and counsel. I think when the Kurdish team went in to set, release 70, they didn't know there was that many, 70 hostages which were about to lose their life under the, 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 the sharpened knife of ISIS, went in in the cover of darkness. The American soldiers were there just to provide counsel and support, but when the, I think it's the Kurdish, somebody help me, they were, they were starting to lose their life. This man, and I'll tell you how... Joshua Wheeler already lost his name, see. You know what he did? He, got, he, did, he didn't have to do this. But when he saw other people losing their life, he got up and ran towards the fight. Towards the challenge. Listen, today, every day, listen, he lost his life. But saved 70 others. I love what Pastor Ron says. He'll be here next Sunday. You be here. He says this. God has a plan. He will succeed. Even if it cost him your life. Listen. We're so concerned about our life. We forget about all the other lives that are going to hell right now. And what we need to do. 
is quit isolating ourselves from the world, just insulate ourselves from the world and run towards the roar. And lay down our lives for the gospel's sake. Accept the call, accept the challenge. This commitment, it's a challenge. This commitment to Christ, it's a challenge. This commitment to His calling, it's a challenge. But hey, Master Sergeant Joshua Wheeler, how many of you believe he would believe and his family would believe that it was worth his loss of life to save those who were about to lose their life? Why did he do that? That's what we do. And that's what real followers of Christ do. They lay down their lives for the sake of others. Paul did that and he told Timothy that. He said, listen, it's a challenge. There's suffering. Uh, there's, there's issues. There's problems. In fact, he told Paul, Paul pardon me, Paul told Timothy in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. He said, but be watchful in all things and endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. He linked those things together. Did you see what he linked together? Afflictions and the evangelism of the world. And the work of the ministry. It's a challenge. So we've got to embrace the commitment to our calling. And number three, we've got to embrace this interlocking circle of commitment, not only to Christ and the call, but to Christ and His church. You see, Jesus built the church. The church is God's idea. Did you know that? The local church is God's idea. He built the church and he said, the church that I build, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Somebody say amen. But in the culture we live in, the church and our commitment to the church has been watered down so terribly and the bar has been lowered. I just got this this morning. It's hot off the press. If you're a member of our church and you're on our email list, I emailed this to you. It's titled by a pastor by the name of Art Hines who wrote this. He said, it's the selfishness of skipping church. Now, you can rest easy because you're here today. But listen, if, if you're not on our email, go to my Facebook page and share this with everybody you know because this guy hit the proverbial nail on the head. He's saying what I've been saying. Listen, I'm going to read it to you. Can you follow along? The selfishness of skipping church. The overwhelming consumerist mentality in our nation has spilled over and saturated the thinking of Christians throughout the church and in the United States. Does that sound like Pastor Sam has been saying? More and more believers in America approach the concept of finding and remaining in church. They approach the concept of finding and remaining in a church the same way they would handle buying a car, shopping for the latest technological advancement, or choosing a movie to watch. An institution whose founder came not to be served but to serve has been tainted by a ceaseless drumbeat of, quote, what can you do for me, unquote. The worship environment, the style of music, the dress code, the church programming, and all the overall focus of the church is no longer about the Lord and His agenda, but about the personal preferences of individual church shoppers. The crisis of commitment, listen, what have we been talking about? Commitment. 
The crisis of commitment and ownership in the American church is reflected in the 2015 Pew Research Study, in other words, a study about church attendance, that showed a serious decline in Americans self-identifying as Christians. The problem is demonstrated any given month as families who used to attend church weekly and even several times a week now attend services one to two times a month. And then he puts in parentheses, and I'm not referring to the shut-ins, the sick, or those who have to work. He said it's impossible to build anything. Now listen, follow, follow along. It is impossible to build anything of consequence in any sector of society with such inconsistency. I'm going to read that again. I may never get through. It's impossible to build anything. Uh, let me, let me, it's impossible to build anything of consequence in any sector of society without such, with such inconsistency. Imagine if a construction crew showed up to a building site only once or twice a month. Think of what would happen if the physicians and nurses manned the hospitals and the ERs only a couple of times a month. Consider the problems in education if our teachers worked only two days a month, and yet the welfare and the future of our great nation hangs in the balance as rabid hedonists, religious fanatics, and ignorant young socialists and progressives uh, march on fully committed to their march on fully committed to their causes. We cannot build godly, committed, and social socially. Pardon me. We cannot co- uh, build committed and socially changing future cultures uh, or generations with a selfish with a selfish hit-and-miss approach to church. The key to the restoration of our culture, now listen, the key to the restoration of our culture and society is not the economy, our health care system, or even education, but the tone and temperature of our nation spiritually. How can cold, lifeless, church-skipping Christians possibly be, a, possibly be a catalyst for fanning the flames of spiritual renewal and fire in the United States? This coldness and lifelessness is reflected in the attitude of the Christian who says, I don't need to attend church all that much because I can get my spiritual food online or through broadcast media. In fact, in some ways, I believe our podcasts are killing the church because it's so easily accessible. I don't need humanity to face and love. Let's move on. This coldness and lifeless is reflected in the attitude of the Christian who says, I don't need to attend church all that much because I can get my spiritual food online or through media. The attitude is reflected in the individual who says, I don't need to go to church because I can commune with God in nature on my own. It's reflected in the family that emphasizes every other kind of activity and pursuit other than spiritual education in the name of putting, quote, the family first. It's reflected by the one who points to their hurts, their disappointments, or their needs as an excuse to be absent from church. It's reflected in church workers who only show up to church when they're scheduled to serve, teach, or lead. It's reflected by parents who teach their children, catch this, by ungraciously and habitually leaving church after church, that the church, this is what he says they're teaching their kids, that the church and its people are fatally flawed and not worthy of real commitment. It's reflected in the people who pursue amusement, recreation, and entertainment to the detriment of their spirituality and places of worship. So what's the issue here? Everybody say, what's the issue here? Somebody, what's the issue here? I'm going to tell you. Here we go. The primary issue is the fundamental misunderstanding of why we gather as Christians. True, we gather to worship God, learn the principles of God's Word, and fellowship with one another. 
But if you read the words of the writer of Hebrews, our priority is gathering so that we can encourage and help one another to progress spiritually in an increasingly secular, pessimistic, and antagonistic culture. In other words, we're not here to get, we're here to give. And he quotes the scripture, and let us consider how we may spur one another on, uh, onward uh, to love and good deeds. Let us, give up, let us not give up meeting together as the manner or habit of some is doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see that day approaching. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And then Luke tells us Jesus, the one we say we are following, left an example of faithful attendance by explaining. This is what he says. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Think about that. Jesus, the Son of God, had a habit of going to the house of God. How much more do his followers need to develop that habit? Question mark. The culprits, and I'm, I'm just about done. The culprits in the current spiritual melee and indifference in our country are the selfish Christians who fail to consider how they can help, assist, and encourage someone else by coming faithfully to church instead of focusing on and serving their own wants, preferences, needs, and schedules. Man, that guy deserves an amen. That single mindset of coming to church not for what you can, re- coming not for what you can receive, but what you can provide is the key to spiritual renewal in our land. I got to read that again because I butchered it a little bit. That that single mindset of coming to church, not for what you can receive, but but for what you can provide is the key to spiritual renewal in our land. When you are not in church, the gifts and abilities you are, uh, in you are not made available to others. That's why skipping church is selfish and the and complete opposite of the example of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, and the commands of Jesus. If you are a consistent, constant, and faithful churchgoer, don't let anything stop you from continuing in your dedication. If you have become distant, cold, lifeless, and selfish in, a, in, a, in absenting, Absenting yourself and your family from the church, repent and return to a lifestyle, a faithful lifestyle and relationship with your local church. As the writer of Hebrews challenged us, we shall, we should become more diligent and dedicated to one another as we see the end coming, not more selfish. Woo, somebody say amen to Pastor Art right there. Woo, hey, let me just say, go to my Facebook page and share that. Don't like it. I don't want you to like it. I want you to share it. Everybody say share it. So, with that in mind, I'm going to close. i got two minutes. Can you, can you handle maybe five? Is, is it still raining out there? i got a little bit, Michael, so don't, don't panic here. Here we go. Let's talk about this commitment to church. Let me give you four thoughts. Here we go. He said, it's about 12, Pastor. No. Let me give you four thoughts quickly. Commitment to our church, it's a commitment of connection. Everyone say connection. When you read Acts, here's what you're going to read over and over, and I encourage you to do it. We... They, us. Everyone say, we, they, us. It's all about us. It's about the connection of the family of faith. Everyone say, we, they, us. It's not me, myself, and I. It's we, they, us. Everyone say, we, they, us. It's about the connection we have with one another. And listen, if you walk in these, in these doors uh, day in and day out and you have no real connection with other believers in this house, there's something needs to change in your life. You've got to begin to connect with the family of faith. We talked about it last week when we talked about uh, the vision of, of, of spiritual connection and relationship with other, the, the body of Christ. Listen, you can't live without the family of faith. It's like the body. You, the I can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. It's a commitment of connection. Number two in Acts, it's a commitment of, of communion. 
Acts chapter 2, 42, when the church was born, it says they all continued together in fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Everybody say fellowship. That's a communion. That's where we get the word communion. And last week, again, we talked about it. It's not about having, having a, a, a stakeout where we all get together and eat steak and talk about sports. That's not communion. That's, that's just hanging out together. And that's okay. But listen, the family of faith is about a divine connection and a communion with one another that, that has around its, its core the cause of Christ. We commune together because of the cause of Christ. And our commitment to His church is a commitment of caring. In fact, when you read Acts, you'll find that they cared for one another. In fact, it says they put everything in a pot and they had all things common so people's needs could be taken care of because most of them were not in their home 20. They They had come to... To, to be a part of the religious celebration and they were there and all of a sudden the church was born and they had to begin to care for one another. Could I tell you something today? In these last days we live in, you don't want to be disconnected and uncommuning with the family of faith as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ because when you get, in, when, when think, let me just say, things will get worse in America. And the church is there to care for one another. And finally, the fourth thought about our commitment to the church. It's a commitment of completion. You see, God birthed the church to help Him and, and, and be His hands extended to the world to win this world to Jesus Christ. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, He says, When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. What's he talking about? Fulfilling his kingdom purpose in the earth. In fact, Jesus said this when they asked him about the last days. He said, let me tell you what it'll be like in the last days. He said, he said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. The church is here to finish what God started. That's our purpose. That's why we need to be committed to the church. Because it's the world that needs Christ. And we usher in the return of Jesus Christ. We've got to raise the bar of our commitment to Christ. We've got to raise the bar of our commitment to His calling. And we've got to raise the bar of our commitment to our church family. Listen, they're interlocking. You can't have one without the other. And I can't do that for you. Brother Art can't do that for you. But we can certainly come and say, this is what it's going to take for us. As your pastor, I'm endeavoring to raise the bar in my own life. And I'm going to keep doing it just because we're, this is the last Sunday that, that, that this PowerPoint will be on and we'll address these issues this way. We will continue to address these issues of raising the bar in our life. Hit it, Michael. <laughs> Let's stand together. Before we leave here, and I know you may be visiting, and I know you may not know the person next to you, and I don't normally do this, but I'm starting to break out of some of my things that I'm doing. You know, some people say, oh, don't ask people to take hands with somebody else. They don't know who they are. But let me tell you something. As my friend Eddie Mitchell would say, who's a Vietnam vet I told you about, he, he said, we're foxhole buddies. You know, in the middle of battle, you may not know the guy in the foxhole next to you, but how many of you know you'd hold his hand So reach out and find somebody. Reach across the aisle. Find somebody. Lord, today we stand together. 
and our commitment to you. Lord, we want to raise the bar of our commitment to you, and there's a lot to that, Lord. We want to raise the bar of our commitment to your call, and there's a lot to that, Lord. It's a challenge. Lord, we want to raise the bar of our commitment to one another in this church. There's a lot to that, and we understand, and we realize it's going to cost us. But we're not here for ourselves. And today, as we stand and take hands with one another, we take a bold stand against the secularism of our day. We take a bold stand against the selfish mindset of present-day culture that has invaded and weaseled its way into the house of God. I take authority over every demon, devil, and hell that is lying to church members in our church family today and undermining the core of who they are and their commitment to you and their commitment to your call and their commitment to their church family. I bind every demon, devil, and hell and the lie of the devil and I pull it down in Jesus' name. And we stand together and Lord... Even as Master Sergeant Wheeler rushed into the fray. Lord, may we stand together with him and with, in a spiritual sense and stand together and rush into the middle of the fray for the sake of the souls of men, women and children who are succumbing to the secularized, socialized culture of our day that says it's all about me. Lord, today, we take hands with one another and we ask You to help us. Holy Spirit, help us. Holy Ghost, pour Your Spirit upon us. Give us power to follow through with our commitment to You and our commitment to Your call and our commitment to one another. Empower us for service today. We pray for one another. Just speak a prayer over those whose hands you hold, even those you don't. Just just pray, Lord, help them raise the bar in their spiritual journey. Help us be more committed to you than ever before. Help us be more committed to your call than ever before. Help us be more committed to our church family than ever before. And may this church-wide campaign turn the tide in families' lives. Turn the tide in our culture. Change the way we think about you and think about church and think about the purpose of God for our life. We stand together in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord is good. Amen. Go ahead and give Him some praise. Now, as we leave this place today, understand a couple of things. You've got to finish what God started. God's challenging you men and women and teenagers to raise the bar. He's not going to come and raise it for you. We've got to raise it ourselves. We got, hey, He'll empower us. So I want to encourage you to continue in this vein. Keep raising the bar in your spiritual life.
Let these three interlocking circles of commitment be the mantra of your days. I'm committed to Christ. I'm committed to His call. I'm committed to His church. Amen.